0: Well, good morning, it's great to see you guys here today, whether you're here in Merivore. Uh, maybe at our Bearden location. So glad you guys are connecting there. I wanna start my time today with uh, something a little bit different. Our nation was able to celebrate our veterans this past week, and so I wanted to do that uh, here in this moment. But I wanted to kind of honor uh, by generation today. So um, if, if you served in one of our armed services and you served in the 40s and the 50s, uh, whether you're here in Maryville or at Bearden, would you Stand to your feet and, and just uh, let us see who you are. Anybody at all in that generation? I know we're kind of a younger church. Um, okay, 40s and 50s. How about 50s and 60s? Any, any, any 60s, uh, 70s in the room? Okay, there we go. Some here, I'm sure some in Bearden. If you guys would, stay up. I know you don't like the attention but it's good for us to honor you guys. So if you guys would just stay up. So that was 60s. What what about 70s? Anybody in the 70s, 80s? 70s and 80s, all right. Several here. How about 90s? In the 90s you served, okay. All right. And then, sometime in the 2000s. Would you guys stand up all over? Now as you guys stand here, just keep standing. I I wanna remind everybody else of of, of a few things. First of all, um, it is is these men and women, these veterans, um, not the news media that give us the freedom of press. It's these veterans, not, yeah, yeah. It's these veterans, not politicians that give us the freedom of speech. It's these veterans, not attorneys that give us a right to a fair trial. It's these veterans and not the president that gives us the right to vote. And it's these veterans, not preachers, that give us the right to worship freely today. So can we just thank them at both locations? So on behalf of Foothills Church, I wanna say we love our veterans and we are so thankful for your service and what you have done for this country. And I just wanna pray a prayer blessing over you today. And in fact, if you, are, if you are near one of our veterans, would you just stand beside them and put your hand on their shoulder and pray over them as I pray this morning. At Bearden, same thing. If you would just put your hand on someone's shoulder and pray over them. Lord Jesus, we are so so very grateful for the grace and mercy that you have given to the United States of America, and we are so grateful for the men and the women that have served in our armed services over the years. They put themselves in harm's way, they do things that are not safe, and they do that because they love you, they love this country, and they want to provide, continue to provide the freedoms that we get to experience. And so would you bless their family would you, uh, in their unique situations, God, with the unique pressures that they have faced, would you give them grace? Would you give them love? Would you give them your hand of, of protection? And God, would you do incredible things in their relationships, their marriage, for their children? And Lord, would you just give them courage and confidence today to know that we at Fiddles Church love them. And so we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. One more time for all of our vets all over. Today, we're gonna to close out this series called The Water Is Fine, but next Sunday, I wanted to let you guys know that we're gonna start a brand new series called Make It Count. Make It Count has been our theme for 2021, and it's gonna to continue to be our theme because there are so many things that are interrelated from last year going into this year. And so uh, the whole uh, uh, mindset behind this series is we don't wanna waste our life, we want to make it count. We want to uh, make sure that our life counts. And so how do you do that? And so we're gonna look to God's word and we're gonna see uh, what and how God uh, encourages us to live our life. At the same time, I'll be catching you up on some things that God has done here at our church and then cast some vision for where I believe God is taking us in the future. But as we close out this series, The Water Is Fine, my question to you guys was like, why is the water fine? Like, why is baptism important? We've been talking about the meaning of baptism. We're asking the question, "Who should be baptized? Why should we be baptized? And anytime we talk about this it's it's always emotional for some because You know, they have a different, we all have a different experience growing up, you know, being taught different things and, you know, different religious experiences. And and so uh, baptism and sprinkling and those kinds of things, confirmation kind of come into that story. And so uh, we're asking the question though, what does the Bible actually say about baptism? We're asking the question, uh, what does the Bible say? Because we believe the Bible is God's word. We, We believe that it was written by men, yes, but supernaturally inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we believe, you know, even though it's multiple books, it is combined into one which tells the exact same story from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And through it, we see what God wants from us. And one of the things that he requires is that when we put our faith in Jesus, That we would walk in the waters of baptism. Now, there are a lot of secondary issues that we can have, uh, you know, a difference of opinion about when we read the Bible. And we go through those in base camp, those secondary issues. We can still find unity, even though we might, you know, look at something a little bit differently. But baptism is one of those essential beliefs. It's one of those things that we see clearly taught in scripture and so it's not something that we actually argue about here because we actually you know, are aligned in what we believe the Bible says about it. Um, so when you came today, you were, were driving to church and you probably saw a few road signs and uh, you paid attention to some hopefully and uh, you probably just ignored some of those signs that you passed along the way, but you know, road signs uh, are pointing to something significant Uh, For us to either be aware of, maybe there's a hazard coming up, or maybe it's a direct command, like you gotta stop at this intersection. But these signs that we see everywhere along the road um, point to something significant that we need to know. And so uh, I wanted to do, I know some of you guys, you know, failed driver's ed, and so we wanted to take um, another little crash course here just to make sure everybody knows some of these road signs. So here's the first road sign. Now, I mean, you guys know what this is? We got a young crowd up here. Um, you guys know what this means? Deer season? No. <laughs> see, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. Yeah, deer crossing. If you're new to Tennessee, this happens. Like, they're gonna jump out and you're not even gonna see them. We don't know why they do that, but you gotta be aware, right? There's, this is a sign that points us to you know, something significant. How about this sign you guys know what this one is merge yes yes you guys were on that one now merge doesn't mean you 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 ride the guy in front of you as bumper so tight that you don't let people over why because you're merging right it also doesn't mean that if you're in the lane that's merging that you you know lay the hammer down and try to pass everybody but that's another story this means merge what about this sign anybody know what this is Appalachian Trail, there you go, front row. Yeah, so if you've ever hiked on the Appalachian Trail, you know this is the AT Blaze. And so there are some parts of the trail where you're not sure if you're on the trail or not. So this ensures that you stay on the right path. So a pretty important sign. My mother actually hiked the whole Appalachian Trail, which is incredible. Here's one more sign. <laughs> this is an important one. <laughs> so you know your company is doing a good job marketing when you don't even have to put the whole stinking logo <laughs> on the billboard and we're all like, oh, McDonald's, take a right, yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, these signs tell us, give us some direction and they point to something significant. Here's another sign. This is Lindsay Cooper getting baptized a couple of months ago. This is when she um, got baptized and so Pastor Taylor got to baptize her and this is a sign and it points to something significant. That's what signs do. And so we've been talking about how these signs in our life point to something significant, and so baptism points us to a significant moment in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you gave your life to him, you received his forgiveness, and then you followed in the waters of baptism to symbolize that as an outward sign to everyone that you have been changed by Christ. Now, you wouldn't expect to see an AT blaze out in the hallway today because, you know, you're not on the AT, you, you know? You're, you, you wouldn't expect a sign saying get off at this exit and, you know, because there's a McDonald's right here if there wasn't actually a McDonald's there, right? So in the same way, there's no need for us to get baptized if there hasn't been a life-changing moment. If there hasn't been a moment in your life where you have truly put your faith in Christ, then there is really no need to get baptized. And so that's what we've been learning over the last uh, uh, week, uh, week and a half. And so uh, we'll say it like this to kind of give us one statement, but this baptism is the outward symbol, right, of the inward spiritual conversion. So we have this moment where we are spiritually converted to Christ. We give our life to Christ, we put our faith in Christ, He forgives us of our sin. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then to give a symbol and a sign of that life transforming moment, then we are going into the waters of baptism because it is that external outward symbol of the spiritual conversion that happens inside of us. Last Sunday, we learned that baptism doesn't save you. Right, Getting baptized doesn't save anyone uh, at, at all. Faith in Christ is the only thing required in order for you to go to heaven and to have um, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We learn that it is, though, a rich, symbolic act. The, the actual word for baptism, baptizo, is a Greek word that means to immerse. So that's why we said, does that make sense you know, when we look at baptism as far as being poured, you know, having water poured on your head or sprinkled with water you know, as, a, as an infant? because it's a symbol of the uh, inward conversion that you've made. And so when the word means to immerse, it only makes sense for us to realize this symbolism when we are in fact um, dunked under the water. We saw that Jesus modeled this, right? He started his earthly ministry by being baptized by John. We saw that the last command that he gave before he went to heaven, to give to his disciples was the great commission, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he started with baptism. He ended his ministry with be baptized. Uh, we see in the New Testament that everyone who puts their faith in Christ is publicly baptized. They don't wait. No one ever said, okay, I'm gonna you know, wait for my aunt to come in town to see me. No one ever said, I'm not gonna get baptized. No, every single person in the New Testament that comes to faith actually follows in the waters of baptism. And this is that outward symbol. It's saying, I'm not ashamed. Saying that I'm giving my life to Christ. We read Romans 6 that kind of really unpacks the rich theological symbolism that is taking place in baptism. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So the beauty of this symbolism is that baptism is a picture of death. It is the picture of Jesus dying and being buried. It is the picture of of, of Trent dying to his way of life. And we are buried and completely covered in that water to symbolize that death. And then we come up out of the water, symbolizing the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, symbolizing that newness of life that through his resurrection, because he rose, I can come alive. And only in and through Christ can I find that newness of life. Colossians 2 is another rich theological passage about baptism, Paul says, "'Having been buried with him in baptism," that symbolism of, again, of going under the water, being buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. So several things happening here. Again, the symbolism, of having been buried with him in baptism. So going under the water, symbolizing that death, which you were also raised with him, right? Because God raised him from the dead. We're coming up out of the water to symbolize that we too have come alive. And then he says, you were dead in your sins. So let's not rush past that concept that even when we were rebels, even when we were enemies of God, Despite our sin, Jesus is offering us forgiveness. He is dying on the cross to save us from our sins. Even though we were sinners, he does that. He's not looking at your future and saying, oh, Trent's gonna be a good guy, let's go ahead and we're gonna save him, put that down. Not happening like that at all. Even when we're sinners, Christ died for us. And then this is coming through faith. And this is important. So this is why we would say, the requirement for baptism is faith in Christ because your, your faith is what you're symbolizing in the baptism. And so that's why we wouldn't uh, sprinkle infants or baptize infants because there's no possible way they can have faith, they can't even talk. Right? They can't confess, they can't believe, they don't understand. And so at FC there's not like an age requirement to be baptized. Um, It's basically if you understand the gospel and you can express to us that understanding that you, yes, have faith in Christ, then then we will baptize you because it is through faith that we come to know Christ, have our sins forgiven, and he makes us come alive. And yes, he is forgiving us of all our sin. And so the symbolism makes a ton of sense when we understand baptism by immersion. It makes no sense when you're thinking about you know, baptizing infants before they even have an opportunity to come to faith in Christ. So a couple of things that this baptism symbolizes. The first thing is that baptism symbolizes your entrance into the community of believers, i.e. the church, right? When you are baptized, you are symbolizing your entrance into a community of believers. You are now a part of God's church. You know, and, and so I know some people would argue and say, oh, well, all you need is Jesus. You don't need anybody else, just you need Jesus. Well, Jesus is the only one that can save you, but Jesus uses other people to help you grow. Jesus uses other people to share the gospel with you. Jesus tells us in the New Testament and all, over and over again, like 90 plus percent of the New Testament is all about how we interact with each other in the confines of a relationship in what God calls the church, So if we're not connected to the church, if we're not connected to other people, then we cannot do and we cannot function in God's will the way he has has designed us to do so. And so yes, we need to to enter into a community of believers. And, And so that's part of what baptism is symbolizing. And then secondly, baptism signifies your transformation. So it's you going public. It's you saying, my life has been changed. It's you saying, I have received God's forgiveness. It's you saying, now I am following Jesus. And so you're signifying that your life has actually been changed. As we read Romans Romans 6, whenever a person is baptized, they are picturing that death and they are picturing that new life that they now have in Christ. This is the picture signifying your transformation. Not only does baptism show us what Jesus has done for them, but also what Jesus has done to them. So here's what he's done for you, yes, but also to you. He's changed you. For you, he saved you. He cleansed you of all sin. He gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's giving you the hope of heaven. And yes, what also he has done to you is that he has changed your life. You're a brand new person. The old you is gone, the new you is here. Now you may not feel brand new. You may still struggle with sin when you get baptized. You're not saying, I'm never gonna sin again. You're not saying, I finally figured it out guys and I've got it all together. That's not what it is. It's a symbol outwardly of an inward transformation that you've experienced. So who should be baptized? We ask that question, who should be baptized? And it's very simple, what we're reading here is anyone who believes. That's why we call it believer's baptism. You hear us talk about that. This is the the, the term that just says, if you are a believer in Christ, you put your faith in Christ, you should be baptized. If you're not a believer, you shouldn't be baptized. You're not pointing to anything significant that has happened in your life. That's why we say the order matters, right? If you were sprinkled as a kid or you were baptized as a kid and later came to faith in Christ, that baptism was not, signifying or pointing to any life change in your life. And so that's why believers baptism, those who actually believe in Christ, are the ones that should be baptized. In fact, the Bible goes on and on about this order. In Acts chapter two, verse 41, those who believed were baptized. Belief comes before baptism. Acts eight thirteen. Simon believed and was baptized. Again, belief comes before baptism baptism. And then another example, those who believed uh, Philip were then baptized, both men and women. Again, belief comes before baptism. On and on we see this in the New Testament. As soon as someone places his or her faith in Christ, they are then baptized immediately. We never see someone believe and then wait or reject it. We see them walk into the waters of baptism as soon as they believe. It's It's great when our families can be here, but technology is great in the sense that if someone's not here today that you wish could be here, you can video that and you can send them that and you can take pictures and and you can do what God is calling you to do and they get to watch it uh, on their screen and celebrate with you. The reason why that's important, the reason why we need to take those steps when God urges us to take those steps is is because the longer you wait, the more the enemy has time to distract you. The more the enemy has time to convince you that it's not important or that you don't need to do it. The longer you wait, as well as, you know, you're essentially disobeying a command from scripture. And so don't wait. I think over and over again, what we're learning is that baptism is a very important step for believers to take, signifying their faith and, and uh, showing that their life has been changed by Christ. And so, the question then is, well, I, you know, someone might say, well, I thought I did it right. You know, my parents thought they did it right. They confirmed and I, they sprinkled or they whatever, you know, and, and so I don't want to take anything away from that family experience that doesn't, you know, what you do today doesn't diminish anything that you have experienced in the past. But again, we come back to this question, like, what does the Bible say? What does God say about Baptism. If you're one of these folks who maybe had a, had some kind of experience in the water and then later came to faith, I would say that today is your opportunity to actually go public with your faith and signify to the world that Jesus changed your life in the waters of baptism. There's no reason to wait. I would say today is your day to take that step and be bold, to be courageous and to follow Christ's command to be baptized. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, everybody's gonna think that I'm weird or everybody's gonna think that, you know, why did I wait so long? Or Everybody's gonna you know, say, why is she doing this now or why is he doing this now? And you know what every one of those comments has in common? It's all about you. (laughs) It's all about your feelings. It's all about what you're afraid of or what people are gonna think about you. But when we read the Bible, like what do you, what, what should we be asking? And I think what we should be asking is what does, God require of me? What is God asking me to do? What is God saying my next step actually is? And so for some of you, it's a moment for you to take this step of obedience and, and to get baptized today. And so if you weren't here last week, today we have all the clothes that you're gonna need. We've got towels, we, we've got you know the shirts for you. You don't really need anything at all. Pastor Heath has some extra makeup in there if you wanna touch up. Um, He's got his hair dryer in there too. You can borrow that. Just kidding. No, we've got everything you need. So there's like no excuses. Like there's not really any reason if you feel like God is calling you and asking you to do that. Today, we've kind of taken away all of those hindrances and just really opened up a path for you to just do what God is asking you to do. So who should be baptized? Who should do it? I would say first and foremost, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then that is step one. Step one for you is to recognize that that Jesus came to live a perfect life, died on a cross to be a, a payment for your sins, and that through him, faith in him, you can have forgiveness of those sins. You can have the gift of the Holy Spirit and you can enjoy heaven for eternity. Now, how do I know that? Well, the Bible says in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the reality is, and and we don't like to think about this, we like to stay busy, but every single one of us, we're gonna face death. Every single person here is gonna die at some point in our life. And no, that's not something that, you know, we wanna, you know, think about and and kind of overwhelm ourselves with, but the reality is, Sin is, is in every single one of our lives. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, the payment for that sin is death. And so uh, maybe you've lost a loved one. You've experienced kind of that, that, um, that sharp reality. Um, but here's the great news about this. like Even though that is what every single one of us will face, Jesus came that, that we wouldn't have to fear death. He came that we would, we would have purpose while we live. We can have hope in him. And he tells us he wants to give us life and, and life more abundantly. Um, we get that, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, by receiving this as a gift. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. It's not a result of work so that no one may boast. And the reason why I think this is such an important verse is because as human beings, as sinners, like every single one of us are, we love to take credit. We love to take credit for what we've done. And just imagine if salvation was given to us because of how we lived our life. You know, by how many times you attended church or how, many time, how much money you gave away or like how much time you served in ministry. And then you went to small group, hey, tell me about your story well, Jesus saved me because I've been serving in the church for 21 years. And bless God, I've been great at it. I mean, can you imagine that? How icky and just disgusting that kind of feels, even just joking around about that? Like, of course not. There's no way we could ever do anything to earn heaven. There's no way that we could ever deserve paradise and and, and, and perfection like being in the presence of God for all eternity with no sin. Are you kidding me? No shame, we can't even really grasp the concept of heaven right now because we, our brains just aren't, aren't smart enough to like grasp the concept. And that's why the, the gospel is beautiful because he says, you, you can't earn it, it's a gift. And some of you have never received this gift. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right. Um, there's a, there's a sermon that Peter is preaching. I I shared this last week. I just love it so much. He shares this message and he really kind of, he's talking to a lot of uh, Jewish people at this time. And and so uh, a lot of them knew about the, the prophets and the Old Testament. So he goes through this beautiful message about how Jesus is the Messiah. And then he gets to the end of this message and they're like, now what? Like, well, what do we do now? Like, don't stop here. And it says, now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart, right? They, they got it. They were, they, God was speaking to them. And, Peter, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What do we do now with all of this information? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, repent. In other words, turn away from your life Put your faith and trust in Jesus, that his death, his resurrection is what is required in order for you to have a relationship with God, your sins forgiven, and heaven as your home. Repent, he says, and then be baptized all on the same day. And this is where some of you guys are at. You're in this place where you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you to do that today. It's the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. And then after doing that, then baptism comes. Now, who else should be baptized today? I, I would say that if you've given your life to Christ already but you've never been baptized, like, no, there, there's like nothing standing in your way today. You should take that step. If you realized from last week into this week that maybe you got, you know, you, you had a, a baptism experience as a kid, you had some kind of religious experience, but then later in life you realized, no, no, now I kind of really understand the gospel, and, and then later in life you gave your life to Christ, then I would say get baptized today so that you have the right order in play. Um, Acts chapter 10, verses 47 and 48 speak so clearly to us. Again, this is Peter. Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay. So. What's happening here is Peter's preaching to a man by the name of Cornelius. He was a Gentile and his whole family. Right? And so Peter's preaching the gospel. He's sharing who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross. And then at the end, they believe. They believe in Jesus and evidenced by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter looks around and he's Jewish. He's looking at all his Jewish buddies and he's like, wait, we, we thought that the promise of the gospel was just for Jews. And he's like, what, it, what it's looking like right now is that we were dead wrong. Like the gospel is for everyone, men, women, white, black, no matter how rich or poor you are, Jesus is for you. And this we know because God gave Peter a vision. God gave Cornelius a vision. It's a beautiful, wonderful story that all leads to this conversion experience. And Peter looks around and and he's like, okay, they've received the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is anything standing in the way? Am I missing anything? Right? And they're like, no. No, they believe. They've got the Holy Spirit baptized them to symbolize that internal commitment that they've made. And so I ask you, what is standing in your way? Maybe it's a grandparent or maybe it's a, you know, a parent, what they said or what they taught you. And so that's been standing in your way and, and you just can't quite get over that. Maybe you're standing in the way. And like for you, you're just like, man, what is somebody gonna think? And your fear and you're this and you're that. Maybe it's just yourself standing in in the way, and I would encourage you, no matter what it is, previous experience, no matter what you've kind of gone through, the text in Acts, again, love the book of Acts, talking about baptism, in Acts 22, it says, now what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. In other words, you have faith in Christ. What are you waiting for? Get up, do what God is asking you to do, and take this step of faith, today. We're going to show a, a video of one of our partners here that God's just done a great work in his life. His name's Freddie. We're going to share his story. Then I'm going to come back up and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to take your next step of obedience. Guys, let's go ahead and take a look at this.
1: My name is Freddie Morgan. I've been attending Foothills Church about nine months. My good buddy, Chad Clark, invited me. Uh, we trained martial arts together, and he invited me to, to come to church. And since the first day I walked in the doors, I knew that this was a place that I wanted to be. I've been searching for a, a place to land, a home, a, ch- a church that I want to grow in, want to be a part of, want to start serving in. And the, the first sermon, uh, the the singing, the standing up, the singing, just rejoicing. I knew from that day, this is the place that I wanted to be. In 1988, my first wife and I lost a child. Uh, We had a child that was stillborn. Um, That was a dark time for me. Um, It made me question the whys. Um, Why me? Um, Why did it have to be my child? During that time, because of the difficulties of the pregnancy, my wife uh, went into renal failure and we suffered through that for several years um, until she got a transplant in 1990. She did very well for a few years and then uh, her conditions uh, struck her again with taking that kidney and uh, I lost her in 1995. So. For a span of about seven years, I've really lived a dark, dark life, uh, questioning the the why me, uh, Lord, why did you bring this beautiful woman into my life and take her away from me just so quickly. My thoughts about my relationship with God, I, I didn't know what my relationship with Him was because I pushed Him away from my life for so long because of that. And then when I... Lee and I uh, started uh, seeing each other and just after my wife died we just started spending time together both in the grieving process and that's when you know I finally realized that uh, that's kind of the path that God led me on to get to her to bring her into my life to be a part of my life and help me raise my daughter and be a mother to my daughter 'cause I was devastated how I, I was going to at twenty six years old raise a five year old little girl by myself. And uh, she's been a godsend and I've thanked God every day since then. Really the day I decided to profess my faith was on game day when Pastor Trent uh, requested that anyone who felt the need to express their devotion to, to Christ raise their hand. So I raised my hand during the prayer and then he asked, well, all you that have your hand raised, please stand up. So I stood up, and it was like an out of body. I didn't even know that I would stood up and walked away, really, until I came through the door and, and turned and, and uh, started talking to Mr. Kevin. And we sat and talked for 30 minutes and prayed. And my whole body was tingling. It it was just, it's a feeling that I I can't explain, but I hope everyone gets to experience it one day. My perception of God has changed tremendously, completely twofold over the last nine months. And I know now that I've made the decision wholeheartedly to, to be a disciple of Christ. And I just want him to show me what he needs me to do where He wants me to minister, and I'm turning my life and soul over to Him to do with me as He pleases.
0: Freddie, have you asked Jesus to be your Savior and committed to making Him Lord of your life? I have. Awesome. Well, based on the profession of your faith that Jesus is your Lord and
1: Savior, it is my honor and my privilege today to baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with Him in baptism
0: raised to walk in newness of
1: life. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text SC decision to 97000 or you can head over to foothillschurch.com/decision.